welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press, sponsored by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me tonight for our first mock draft post-lottery session is Luke Alves. What's up, Luke? Hey, Nick, man. Glad that we finally know this order, all the anticipations finally done and over with, and now we get to see how it all shakes out. Indeed, sir. All right, so we, uh, for lack of a better phrase, flipped the coin to see who was going to have the odds, who was going to have the evens. I drew the odds. Um, but before we get into that, um, a report came out today, um, interestingly enough, two days after the lottery, that Luka Doncic uh, is not necessarily committed to uh, playing in the NBA next year. So he's going to enter the draft. Um but we might find ourselves with a Ricky Rubio situation in which he enters the draft and is drafted, but doesn't play next year. Um, what do you think that does for any sort of teams that are, you know, thinking about choosing him uh, pretty much, you know, the top two, maybe three teams. Um, and, uh, and, you know, what, what do you think is the reasoning behind this, this announcement at this time? I don't really think it's much of anything, actually, at all. I think he's right now, <clears throat> he's still in the middle of his league right now. They're going into the Final Four, so he's just trying to, to show that his head's just 100% committed to this team, trying to see if they can win. You know, he's not trying to look past leaving and all that next year. He really wants, they got his team into the Final Four and in the Euro, um, the Real Madrid League, and so I just think he's just really focused and I, it wouldn't scare me if I was a team either. Ricky Rubio, on the other hand, he's wanted to stay out there. And I think that, like, NBA teams kind of thought, too, like, he still needs a couple of years to get. I mean, you even saw when he finally came to NBA, he, uh, it took him a couple of years to catch up to speed. But Doncic yeah. you know, understands it. I just think maybe a tactic to scare off a team in the top three. But it wouldn't scare me at all. I just think he just wants to show – that his mind is 100% committed to what's in front of him right now, and he's not worrying about NBA and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly could be that. And it would be like – because this was in a this was in a, 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 an interview, so, like, he was asked about this. It's not like it was just a blanket statement released. Um, but, nevertheless, I, I do think there could be some calculation about it. I mean, you mentioned to scare off a particular team. Um I, I, if I'm Doncic and I'm Doncic's agent, I definitely don't want him to go to Sacramento. Um, so, you know, if Phoenix drafts him and, you know, he's able to pair up with his, his Slovenian national coach and, you know, Phoenix has all of these assets moving forward and, you know, they have a good foundation of young players, like great situation for him. Like, of course he's going to come over immediately, but ah, Sacramento, man, like, First of all, you you have you, you're going to be playing out of position. They're going to want you to play out of position. They're going to want him to play the three, um, or at the very least, play the two. And Bogdan Bogdanovich plays the three, and then Buddy Hield is like your six man. Um, and Buddy Hield did play a fair amount of six man this year, so that could be the it could be you know the angle that they go with, um, and, you know, in, in a way to kind of pitch him. Um, but even after that you're in one of the smallest markets in the NBA, very hard for branding. Uh, Sacramento hasn't even made the playoffs in 12 years. Um, 
and they haven't been relevant in probably 15. Uh, and, you know, they don't even own their first-round pick next year. Uh, that's that's going to Boston, uh, unless it's number one overall in which it will go to um, Philly. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> they're just – they're poorly run. They don't. They don't have uh, the same kind of tight knit group of of young stars that that Phoenix has, or not even stars, but just young quality players. I I don't think he wants to play in Sacramento. I, I just I think. And if you don't want to play in Sacramento, that is a perfect ploy to use, given that Sacramento doesn't own their first round pick next year. They can't afford for a guy to their number two overall pick not to play for them immediately. Um, so I, I think it could be a very tactical um, measure to make sure that he doesn't end up in Sacramento. Uh, do you agree with that? Do, like, not do you think it is that, but do you think that there's a, a, a better than 50% chance that that could be it? I do feel like, yeah, that's one of the teams, just not just Sacramento. I mean, there's some other teams out there, even if he flips, I mean, even in Memphis, just he probably just wants to be one of those players where there's not already established person at that position where you're having to slide him to the three like he would in Sacramento. So I just think he's just trying to look out for his own best good too. But I just think in the end right now, like you said, he didn't just come right out in the blue and just be like, I just want to stay here maybe for another year. He just He's in the middle of a press conference for the Final Four over there in his division. And it's just like, um, you know, you're just not having your mind really on it right now. So I think maybe it is a scare tactic to Sacramento. Maybe it isn't. I still don't think he's flipping past number one in my mind just because there's so many ties going towards Phoenix, even though both of them have a lot of Phoenix ties. So it'd be – It'd be tough for him to slip past one, but I could definitely see it going over that way. All right. Well, uh, since I drew the number one pick, he is slipping past one because I'm taking DeAndre Ayton, and here's why. Number one pick, you already have Devin Booker. uh, To pair him up, and here's the thing, too. Let let me preface this a little bit. Um, The front office has already stated that the center position is more of a priority for them than the point guard position. Um, now, uh, you could conceivably draft Doncic, and you might get Mitchell Robinson at 16. Um, so that may solve your problems right there um, as far as the center. But Mitchell Robinson is, is you know, coming straight out of high school. It's, he's such an unknown. Um, I don't know if you want to take that kind of risk, uh, whereas if you, you, sign, you know what you're getting with DeAndre Ayton, um, like you said, he's got those kind of Phoenix ties, having played it at uh, the University of Arizona. They they really have a priority for that. Um, there's there's a very decent chance that Shea Gilgis Alexander slips to 16, and you could draft him. Uh, and there's also a lot of potential trades out there um, in which you could get a point guard. Um, the league is so point guard rich um, that I I don't think filling that position would be all that hard. Um, and not to mention, uh, they essentially they did not bring in th- this coach after the lottery. Had they brought him in after the lottery, I would think, oh, okay, it's it's a certainty. 
but they brought him in before the lottery. I think I don't think it has as much to do with his ties to Luka Doncic as it has to do with they were just like this. We think this guy's going to be a good coach. Um, I don't I don't think you would bring in a guy just because of his ties to some player that you may or may not get before the lottery happens. Um, so not to mention uh, he was interviewed recently about the prospect of getting Luka, and it was very kind of nonchalant. Um, like he didn't he didn't necessarily say anything bad but he was he was it didn't come off in the best light as far as a ringing endorsement if you will so uh, with all that being said I think you go Aiton because of how he can pair with Booker and you know you just see how it goes I mean I like it just because Aiton is just a freak athlete I mean just huge already Uh, NBA size just has the offense is just the only thing that just kind of scares me from it is his one weakness is defense. And what is Phoenix's one weakness right now? It's defense. And you're, yes, you're pairing him up with Booker, and that's a great offensive threat. But you're also pairing him up with Booker, who is a terrible defender, and you need someone to yeah, recover. But, so okay, I just think but, there's. I heard too that they're going to try to go after Clint Capella. Not saying he's going to leave Houston. But I heard they're going to give him the max money no matter what and make he to match that. That hasn't been reported. So, yes. That, that so there's always that reported. way. So then now you get a Luka and you have a starting three that you're building around is Luka, Booker, and Jackson. And that right there is just a solid, just really good well, let me, building let me, three. Let me say this, though. Who do you think has the better potential to be an elite defender in the NBA? Um, Luka Doncic or DeAndre Ayton? Doncic, just because Ayton is just so tall, he doesn't know how to shuffle his feet like that. His game's not like that right now. He's going to get outworked against centers that just know how to play too much. Imagine him playing against Boogie Cousins. He's going to know what, he, he's gonna know what to do against Ayton. Like Anthony Davis. Now, Luka, at first, he just... He already has the size, so he's he's going to be a six eight player playing the one or the two. So he's already got length that's going to help you. Lonzo Ball wasn't looked at as a great defender coming out of college, but he ended up Very being true. a really good defender in the NBA just because he had so much reach and length and instinct for the game. What Luca has too, Luca has instinct. So I think he has the better upside than someone that you're anchoring. So now you're putting more pressure on Aiton from day one. You have to be our anchor. You know Booker's going to slip off these screens. You have to come up and help out and help defense. I mean, he's tall and he can maybe figure it out, but I just think, you know, Doncic has got it a lot closer. I would agree with you as far as right now. I think Doncic is absolutely the better defender right now, but I think you could groom him into a good defender. Um, and I think he has the potential to be the better defender just because of his size, his reach, his athleticism, his body. Like there's so many keys that go into DeAndre Ayton. Now you have to develop that talent, but I think he has all of the um, qualities that you would want. And, And if you think you can develop it, then you go with that. I mean, he, I mean, he certainly has a similar build to a guy like Clint Capella, only he's an outstanding offensive threat and uh, he's even a little bit taller, um, but he's got that same kind of build. Like he's he's 
um, like a, like an early Dwight Howard or how Capella is. Like he's he's built like a you know twenty five thirty year old guy at nineteen years old, like, and he's only going to get better. I I just feel like that is the better pairing. Um, whereas you know if I'm looking at a backcourt of Doncic and Booker, like don't get me wrong, it could work. I'm not saying it couldn't, but like how many like elite backcourts are successful. I mean, you have Golden State, obviously. Uh, you have Houston, obviously. But, like, there are so many of those teams, like, you know, Washington, Toronto, um, the, the Portland, they just, like, they have these elite backcourts, but then they don't have anything down low that can, like, get them buckets. And it just, it, in, in my experience, it's way better to have an elite, an elite guard and an elite center, that's what wins you championships. That's what won, um, essentially won Los Angeles uh, five championships, whether it had been with Shaq or Powell, uh, and so many other teams. So, like, to me, that's, that's kind of where I'm thinking. Like, you don't stack up on where you're already good. You try to find what you really need and what Phoenix really needs is a big man. And not just, like, I know you're skeptical on their defense, but, like, they're not, they're not like a, like, I don't, I don't look at DeAndre Ayton and say he's going to be like a Nikola Jokic where he just, just doesn't play defense, you know? Um, I think, I think he's got the athleticism to be able to pull it off. So, regardless, uh, because I won the coin toss, that is my choice. I think we should do this. I think it'll be fun. We should just do this again, uh, like next week, and and I'll let you get the number one pick, and I'll take the evens, and we'll see how it differs, um, all the way down the line, because I think it'll be interesting. Um, but uh, but regardless, number two, the floor is yours, sir. The Sacramento Kings are selecting who? So you already said it. I mean. <clears throat> You need a big man in this league to be playing with an elite guard. And if you picked the Fox last year, you're obviously thinking he's a guard of your future. You're already pretty stacked having guard. So I'm going with the smart pick for them, and it's Marvin Bagley the third. Now there's a couple other nice. people I can see them possibly looking at, whether Jaron Jackson or even Michael Porter Jr., just because he was solely highly recruited coming out, and if he just really – his back is 100% clear, but – I just think Marvin Bagley would just be that good pick-and-pop player, very springy. He's fast, so he's going to be able to keep up with Fox. They're going to be able to run the fast break really good. It's going to allow him to play the four and the five because he's not really a five right now, and he's still trying to figure it out. But he is definitely – he'll get you offensive boards and all that. So I think he'll play well with Willie Collestein when Collestein's out there and just known to just be the shot blocker or when he switches and him and Scal are being able to space the floor a little bit and doing that. So I think he would just be perfect for this young team coming up to just high energy. They'd be able to run the floor really well. I think it would just be the smart pick for Sacramento. They definitely probably would look at Luca though, just because the whole, I mean, he could definitely fit there, but I just think Marvin Bagley is just a smart pick for Sacramento. They should do it. They, they're lucky that they got bounced up to two, but even if they're at three, I think they'd pick them no matter what. So you just go with the person that fits your team the best. And I just think him and Fox would be really good just in the future, just be able to play off each other 
and just run the speed because they're just very fast. Yeah. Well, and, and I think another thing, too, that's important, like Darren Fox, or De'Aaron Fox, excuse me, um, I think he's got a lot of potential, and he, he had a reasonably good freshman campaign. Um, I expect him to get better in his, his sophomore campaign. Um, but, like, they still don't have an elite scorer. And Marvin Bagley, if nothing else, can score the rock. Like, that's that's the one thing that guy does on an elite level already. Um, so, if I mean, if you can get Marvin Bagley uh, to, to kind of pair with Fox and Bogdanovich and Heald and Cauley-Stein, um, yeah, I mean, I think you've got a good team put together. And I think, too, just like – as we kind of talked about earlier, the fact that, you know, uh, Doncic has this kind of ability to, you know, if you draft him, he can say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to play for Real Madrid a couple more years. I, I, I feel like that kind of sways your opinion a little bit. If you're Sacramento, um, like, even if you, you were thinking about taking Doncic, it's like, well, you know, like, do we we don't own our draft pick next year? We need to we need to put some fucking butts in the seats. Like let's just take Marvin Bagley. He he fills a need for what we have, and let's just take him and hope that he's everything that we think he's going to be. Um, and you know, like you said, pairing him up with Aaron Fox that's a good combo. That's a good future for you. Uh, and he, ultimately, he just fits more of what they need. Um, they they need. Uh, they need a three or four or a five, um, and and not that Luca couldn't play the three, but it's it's just not ideal. It's not it's not exactly where you want him. Like I trust him guarding, you know, uh, shooting guards way way more than I trust him guarding those elite, um, you know, uh, small forwards that are scattered throughout the league. That would that would scare me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I like that pick. So, with the third overall pick, the Atlanta Hawks take Luka fucking Doncic, um, which would be – this is – honestly, this is like my fucking dream scenario that this, it would happen this way. Um, regardless of whether he plays overseas for a year or two or not, I don't care. Um, I, I, I think the guy – Uber talented. Even if he played overseas for two years, that would just give time for Bazemore's contract to come up, um, and he could just slide right into that spot. Um, or if he, you know, tends to gravitate more towards the point guard when he gets over here, um, I don't think Schroeder is, is going to be here throughout the extension of his contract. I'm not sure when he'll get moved, um, but I think he will before his contract is up. And I think Doncic would be great. I think he would pair – uh, very nicely with kind of any sort of combination of player. I think he could be uh, essentially, I, 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 for his ceiling, I see like a James Harden. Um, and for his floor, I see like a Manu Ginobili. Um, like, so he's going to be somewhere in that range, uh, if you ask me. And I think, um, you know, there's just nobody else in this draft, you know, outside of these three players who holds that kind of potential. And, yeah, that's that's a, exactly who I would take. No, that's a good pick there right there. Now, going back to potential, I'll, I'll come back to that because I feel like there's still one player out there that could, but it's, it's just a solid pick. I mean, even if, like you said, 
If they do, if he wants to go to draft and stash, Atlanta's going to be like, I don't care. We have our pick next year. We're in the middle of a rebuild. We might even trade Schroeder to get to get even better of a pick next year or get like more. So you can do what you want, man. We're still in the middle of this rebuild. So I think Atlanta would accept it. I mean, then you get Collins, but I think it's smart. But definitely, there is one person that could be right here, top three, and it's just Michael Porter Jr. And he'd be a good pick for Atlanta too. Just because he is a really, like, good basketball player. He's got a very high IQ, knows the game. He's big. He's played small forward, power forward. He can shoot threes. He can definitely cover down low. So, I think he's one of those players that if he just didn't have this back surgery and have to only play a couple of games, it would – he'd be such a higher, like, rank right now in people's eyes. Like, he'd be right there yeah. with the one exactly. through four that everyone – but it's just so uh, if he comes out of this, you know, private workouts and all that. So I still think he's one of these players that's just you don't know just because you weren't able to see him at all this yeah. year. But what you were able to see him against the dude, this talent last year when they're playing the McDonald's All-American games, all that. Oh, he was taking over the game right when his teams needed it, when they were down and just like, oh, here comes Michael Porter. He can hit your three. He can go down low and get you a rebound and, like, get you a bucket. So it's just like there's nothing but – don't get me wrong. Doncic, great pick, smart for Atlanta. No matter what happens, if he wants to draft and stash and save overseas, for, or if he comes over, you know, make him. He could play right now with the team. Kent, he's. We're not worrying about Baysmore. Baysmore would not be starting regardless. So, I just think yeah. Doncic, no matter what, would be starting and be good with him. You know, Collins and being the the two young core building around. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's kind of my thought. Like, it, essentially, um, I think there's also some other trades that, that the Hawks could involve themselves in, involving Schroeder to try and kind of tilt their team and kind of build it around Doncic if they draft him. Um, and I kind of think you're you're probably going to see that anyway. I don't expect Dennis to be traded before the trade. I'm sorry, before the draft. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I, the market is so sour on him right now, I'm not sure you get a whole lot. Um, but also, I think uh, you want to see what you get and then use Dennis to kind of accentuate that and, 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 and make it, uh, you know, make your team based on who you get. Uh, and, and also, I think that essentially – you'll have a little better value for Dennis after the draft because all of the teams that missed on, you know, your your Trey Young, Colin Sexton, or Shea Gilgis-Alexander will be more inclined to make a deal for a Dennis Schroeder than they probably were before they knew, you know, they weren't going to get those guys. Um, so I think that's certainly a possibility too. But I, I definitely think if, if Doncic came over, he would start immediately. If he didn't, uh, the Hawks would be fine with it. Like they, you know, like you said, they're they're in a rebuilding process. And if he wanted to, you know, play in Real Madrid for a couple more seasons, no big deal. Like that's only that's realistically only going to help us get better draft picks the next couple of years. So no no qualms there. I don't I don't think it would. I don't think Schlink would bat an eye at that. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. Uh, any chance that you might be taking him number four with the Grizzlies? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm already going yeah. there. 
They either want, if I'm Memphis, I either want Bagley to slip to me or I want Michael Porter Jr. to slip to me. Either yep. one. Because, yeah, uh, there are some other big men out there. Jaron Jackson would be better. But if I'm supposedly still believing in my team and what I have out on the floor, then I'm still believing in Marcus Hall playing my five. He's not playing the four, so he has to play five. And then Conley is playing the the one. So that's what I, I need someone in the middle of that. And Michael Porter, like I said, he can switch off. He can play your three. He can play your four. He'd be really good with that team, especially learning from some vets. And I think it would help his career out too instantly, not having to be the number one guy. Like if he were to go to Atlanta, you know, he'd have a lot more pressure to be um, like showing out. But no, you have Conley out there that's the max money that he was signed for. So he's already got a show. And then Marcus Hall is a good player. So, you know, you already got light on them. So I think it would help Porter Jr. in like his development and everything. So I think it would be really smart for him to go there too. Defensively, Gasol could show him a lot of things. I mean, one's up for uh, defensive player of the year. So, you know, he he understands that that aspect of the game. So I think Memphis, you know, they already they, – technically they missed out on – they're one player, but I guarantee Michael Porter on their big boards right there, like barely under Bagley. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think for them it would be Doncic first, Bagley, and then Porter. And the only reason Porter is lower on that list is because of his injury, um, because of the question mark of his injury. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that's your biggest need if you are – um, Memphis, like you need a wing, you need an elite wing player. You, you like you said, you have a good point guard. I mean, he didn't play a lot last season because he was hurt, and you know, I think once he got healthy, they were just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to sit you for the rest of the season because you know we need to try and get a, a good draft pick because you know we're not really going anywhere anyway. Um, you know, you have Gasol, and I, you know, I they I think they could get a decent haul back for Marcus Hall, but I don't, I, I kind of believe them and in, in that they don't really want to trade him. Like they kind of look at him, how Dallas looks at Nowitzki. They don't, like, that's their franchise guy. I, I mean, I feel like that's the whole reason they fired Fisdale. I, I don't see them trading Marcus Hall and I don't see them getting the value back that they would want if they were to trade him because of how much he means to that team. So with all that being said, yeah, I think you definitely go MPJ. I think he's the clear-cut favorite uh, for that pick. Yeah, he's, he's um, perfect for that team. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, number five, Dallas Mavericks. Um, I think there's a few different directions they could go here, but for me, I think given what's on the table, it's a coin flip between Jaron Jackson Jr. and Mo Bamba. And it pretty much just comes down to, to, you know, Mo Bamba's got that reach. He's got that, you know, just that, that build that is super, super attractive to any NBA franchise trying to get an anchor of a center. But when it all comes down to it, I think Jaron Jackson – He's got, like, the wingspan, um, it, like, he's got, what, what what was it, 7'5 wingspan, I believe. Yeah, 7'5 and a half, 7'5 and a half wingspan. 
Yeah, exactly. And like seven, I mean, obviously, Seven Eleven is 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 you know a lot bigger, but he's also just got that polished um, shooting game already. You know, he's already able to spread the floor. But the way the NBA is going, um, I feel like that's what you want. You saw what happened to Rudy Gobert when he had to go up against uh, a team like the Houston Rockets. How they were able to kind of pick a, pick him apart as far as like those mid range shots. Um, you know, essentially what OKC could not do, Houston could do, and they made a quick series out of it. I, I feel like Jaron Jackson not only has the, the polished offensive game, but he also has the ability to, to guard the perimeter better. So, yeah, I mean, I just think I think he makes more sense to me uh, given his offensive game and his versatility. What do you think? No, yeah, I, I was with you for the two players for them as well, either Jaron Jackson or Muhammad Bama. I mean, it just comes down to, yes, they're both really good at defense, and Bama just has that reach, but you want the player that is a little bit more polished right now and younger. He's only 18 right. years old, about to turn 19. Muhammad Bama's 20. So also that's helping Jaron Jackson. I just think, you know, he's he's – Got it all. He, he almost reminds you of like Lamarcus Aldridge, kind of like where he could yeah. stand out there and hit that that mid range shot that Aldridge is always known for. But he also can recover. I mean, one of the best players last year in college for blocks uh, per minute. So you know he really can recover well and all that. Bama yeah, just has up, that reach where. It, go I looked up his, his per one hundred possessions recently. He averages 8.1 blocks per 100 possession. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. not, I, they're just both crazy. I just think right now, too, Jackson, where where you're at in Dallas is you need someone that can almost help now, but you also want him to build the future. I think him and Dennis Smith would just be good just because, like, they have it right now. Like, they can kind of help out and they're good defensively, but. You know, later on, they're going to be a good, really good pieces around each other. Where Muhammad Bama might take a little bit more time. He, he's definitely yeah. always going to be there defensively. But, you know, once you get to the NBA, the speed and just, I don't know if he has that. I mean, that that reach might not, I mean, that length might not help him in a shot, you know, and all that. But then again, you know, who knows. But I would just go with the safer and go with Jaron Jackson, Fowles Dallas as well. Yeah, and I also think not only do I think Jaron Jackson plays better for your future, I also think he plays better for your present um, because I can see him playing on the floor at the same time as Dirk. I can't see Bamba playing. Like, you know, they played Dirk a lot of minutes at the center this this season. Um, and with Bamba's – and it was essentially because of, the, you know, the small ball lineups and the fact that Dirk's just not very mobile anymore. I mean, he's 38 years old. Um, and, you know, I just, I think you know, the flexibility that you would get out of Jackson is just, you know, it, it pairs much better with Dirk. Uh, but let's move on number six. Who you got? So if I'm Orlando, I'm going for a point guard this whole draft. It's what I team needs right now. It's what I've been looking for for a while. And I'm just going to go with this guy that I do not want to look like that a bunch of teams that one year where Seth Curry just slipped and slipped and no one picked them. And he ends up being the best draft pick out of that, one of the best 
of that whole draft class. So I'm going with Trey Young just because of the whole aspect of his shooting ability and him being able to pass the ball because he led NCAA in points and he led him in assists. So he's really good right there. He's going to be able to shoot the long three. He actually kind of impressed me yesterday too when I saw him on TV on the lottery selection. Or no, I mean on Tuesday. But he's standing next to Colin Sexton. The other, you know, they're supposed to be the one and two point guards in this. And they both look, you know, they they stand the same size. So I was like, okay, so Trey Young's, you know, just as tall as Colin Sexton. So he just doesn't have just as long as reach. But he also put on some weight from what I heard. He went up from 160 to he's already up to 183. So that's really good. And I just think Orlando Magic, yeah, Colin Sexton could come in and be that, like, bulldog of a player for them. Almost like I feel like he's going to be like, Kind of like a market smart, but better offensively. Just see, just a pure bulldog. Just always just go hard. But you don't want to pass up on Trey Young offensive just capabilities of just be able to space the floor, hit a three, or just drive to the bucket. And he's really good at that, and he knows how to assist. And I just think where you're at as a team, too, you, you're, you're already set on the big, so you don't need anyone at, at that position. Michael Porter – Maybe no, because they have. So yeah, I just think point guards what they need right now, and Young is it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could see if like if Porter slips to six, I could see them doing it just because he is the best player available at six. Obviously, you and I have him going higher than that just because of his potential. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Trey Young's the guy. Just like you said, you don't want to pass on on the the next Steph Curry. Um, and if he ends up being a bust, it's you know it it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I, I'm going to take him. I'm not going to reach on Colin Sexton. I, I mean, I think every most people think Trey Young is the consensus, you know, best point guard in the draft um, because of the way the NBA is going. Um, obviously, his defense uh, scares you a little bit. I mean, I think both Sexton and and um, uh, Gilgis Alexander. Um, have proven to be better defenders in their um, campaign in the NCAA. But nevertheless, like, Steph Curry's not a great defender either. Um, and they've been able, you know, Golden State's been able to overcome that by putting people who can defend around him. Uh, so I think that would be my goal. It would be, like, add him now and then keep building and, and put the right defensive, you know, players around him. Uh, you know, essentially just like Golden State did. Um, and uh, I do agree with you. I think Colin Sexton, uh, he reminds me a lot of Dennis Smith Jr. Um, from last year's draft. I think he could certainly be that kind of player, um, which is, you know, still a great player, but they passed on Dennis Smith Jr. last year. Uh, so obviously, um, you know, that's I would say that's not the player they're looking for. I think Trey Young would fit that bill. Uh, number seven for the Chicago Bulls, they really need a wing. Like, they really, really need a wing. So I'm tempted to go Mikael Bridges, especially because I think Mikael Bridges is going to be one of the five best players out of this draft. Um, I just think given the fact that he's a junior um, and, you know, the fact that he played on a on a system team instead of, you know, playing on a team that really, you know, catered to him and let him kind of show off his talents, uh it, you know, kind of hurt, maybe hurt his stock. But all that being said, I feel like you can't pass on Mo Bamba here um, simply because I think Mo Bamba pairs great with 
marketing. You need a defensive anchor when you have Laurie. Um, Laurie has really, really impressed me this year. I did not expect him to be, you know, one of the five best rookies out of this draft class, and he has been, undoubtedly. Uh, and, I, I mean, I just think if you can get a guy like Mo Bamba who's got that kind of wingspan, he can anchor the paint, um, and you've already got like a, you know, an elite uh, or a potentially elite stretch four uh, to pair with him, uh, I think you've got to go with that, especially considering next year's draft is, you know, as of right now, obviously things can change as, as things move forward. Um, people rise and fall and all that. But there's there's really only one, like, one kind of elite center, and that's uh, uh, Manute Bolson, Bol Bol. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of wings you know, that are, that are coming up in, in next year's draft. I think Duke has like three of them. So, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're taking the guy who's going to help your team right now, you take a wing player, but if you're building for the future, I think you take a center who pairs, I think, I I think not just a center, you don't pass on Mo Bamba, um, who I think just pairs really, really well um, with Laurie Markkinen. So what are your thoughts? I know, 100% agree with you. I actually thought because you had him high on your earlier board, you might have thought of Wendell Carter from Duke, but I like the Muhammad Bamba pick. I just, like you said, he's just defensively just going to help you right there. Him and Markin are going to play really good together because you have someone that's going to anchor you in case someone gets past you and then be able to space the floor so Bamba can be that pick-and-pop player too. So I just think it's the perfect pick for Chicago. Yeah, there could be other guys, but they, they didn't slip to them. So this is the guy that slipped to you, and you have to pick the best player available. And just all the just the freakish things that Muhammad Bama can bring to your team, just that wingspan and everything. And like you said, Rudy Gobert did get exploited this uh, playoffs. But then again, Rudy Gobert has really helped his team and helped Utah come to where it is. Yes, Donovan Mitchell is the whole thing, but Rudy Gobert has really been that instrumental piece to Utah these last couple of years. So Muhammad Obama could be that guy too. So I just, you just have to go with that person right there. That's best available. It fits your team needs to where you need a big guy. Ronald Lopez is going to really be there. I think he's on an expiring contact contract too. So I think too, he would help yeah. Muhammad Obama if he were to stay that one year too, because Muhammad Obama could learn a lot because Ronald Lopez is a very go hard player. Like always get your offensive yeah. rebounds and all that. He doesn't have the offensive game like his brother does, but he really understands that he's he a, just a very go so hard. much better than his brothers. <laughs> no, I'm saying his offensive game's not like his brother. No, I That's know, what I'm but saying. I'm saying, like what I, yeah, no, no, I agree. But what I'm saying is like it's weird because they're they're like I think they're twins, and like one of them is like a really good offensive player in Brook, but like Robin Lopez is an elite defensive center. Like he plays great defense, so I agree with you. I think I think he would be great as far as like kind of mentoring Bamba in that year. Yeah, so all around, and like you're saying too, Chicago owns their pick next year. I mean, they'll still be competing down low. And there's just four wing players. There's the three kids at Duke, and then there's uh, Little that's going to North Carolina. So they're yeah. all in the state of North Carolina. You're not going to have to do a lot with your scouts going down there. So if you want the wing player. 
save until next year. You're not going to be waiting for a center and be like, Bola Bola is my guy. That's who I'm waiting for. No, you're taking your center right now, and you're worried about your wing next year because you know you're still going to be one of the bottom packs, Chicago. Yep, absolutely. All right, number eight, Cleveland. So Cleveland needs a lot of things. They need someone, too, if he's going to be able to play with LeBron. So I had it between three people. But in the end, I just think this is one position that they clearly need, and he could play with the current position, too. But I'm going to go Colin Sexton. I know that might not be the the pick that everyone probably wanted. Probably people – Mikel Bridges would be really good. But, you know, he'd be really good right now if he's paired up with LeBron. But you also got to look at if LeBron leaves, you need a player, too. And not saying Bridges isn't that, like, yes. But, you know, Sexton still has that – the capability is going to be that point guard that could play next to a George Hill, too. You play him at the two. It's going to be – that would be a very good defensive backcourt, too. He's, he's a go-hard. He'd be that guy that LeBron would kind of like, too, an endless energy person. He can put the ball on the ground and drive it to the basket. He's got an incredible wingspan. So I just think he would be good for them right now if LeBron's there or if LeBron leaves, he'd be good to just build around. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you there. I think, I think, obviously, they need a point guard for the future um, because, obviously, George Hill isn't it, and Jordan Clarkson is not a starting point guard in this league. Um, he is a quintessential, you know, Lou Williams, um, uh, Jordan Crawford type uh, six-man. Uh, so, I mean, that is certainly a point of need. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, I don't fault you. I, I I feel like it's a reach on my big board to go with Sexton. Um, but, like, if you feel like Sexton is that guy, and he totally could be. I mean, I feel like if Sexton was in the draft last year, um, you know, he he might have been even higher than he, he's ranked this year. Um, he He's got those uh, – sort of essential tools that we always look for in a point guard. He's got the, the, the speed off the dribble. Um, he's he's a, a better than average defender. Uh, and, you know, he's he's got the intangibles to be really good. His shooting is suspect. Um, but, you know, that's one thing that, you know, you can always fix. And his shooting is not bad. It's not bad. It's just not great. It's, it's, it's you know, a little below average. Um, it's not like a um, Trevon Duval, you know, Trayvon Duval, um, you know, level of, of shitty shooting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I can totally feel you with that pick. I uh, actually like that one a lot. Um, all right, with number nine, who, I mean, with Mikhail Bridges available, I see I was, I was kind of coin flipping because here's the thing. Like you, you certainly want to have you, you want to take the best player available if you're in New York, but also you don't have Kristaps Porzingis next year, um, so maybe you want to take a guy who can play some minutes at the four. I, it, as much as I I think it might be a little bit of a stretch, I'm going to take Miles Bridges. Um, I think I think Mikael Bridges to me he's He's got a, maybe a, he's got a little bit more upside, but ultimately, I think I think he is. I don't know. I, I 
I think Miles would fit that team better. Um, he could play a little bit at the four until uh, Porzingis gets healthy, but naturally he would play at the three. He's a good three-point shooter. He has all the intangibles. He, he you know, he's got a, he's got a kind of a, a big body, so he can he can bang in the paint, but he can also he's got quick feet, so he can also guard. Um, you know, he's he's more of that. 3-4 combo, whereas Mikhail's the 2-3 combo, and you don't need any amount of that two. You got Neil Aquina, you got Courtney Lee, you got Hardaway. So you don't need a guy who plays in that, in that you know, range. You need a guy who can play three and maybe play a little bit of four. So I'm, I'm going to go with Miles Bridges here. No, I would have done the same exact thing. I think New York last year, where they were at, if Miles Bridges would have stayed in the draft, they would have taken him last year. So I think Probably. I just think he has what it takes to he, like you're saying, Mikhail's going to be good, but I think he would be better on a team that, like I said, like a Cleveland, you know, that like it's almost like competing now where he doesn't have the spotlight on him, but he's going to be that like third player. It's just like okay, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be really good in the future because no one ever really like I wasn't the one in the two always at the beginning of my career and all that. I didn't have to have all this like spotlight because New York is I hate even though they're they've been a terrible team lately. They are one of the top markets in all sports here in New York City. So that's already adding a lot of pressure. I think Miles just brings it all. He's gonna. He's a big. He's a big body, so he can play your three slash four, like you're saying. So that's a very b- better positional need. He'll throw down those big dunks for New York. You know, hit those big timely threes for him. So I think he would be really good right now for the team, and when Kristoff comes back, being able to pair up with them. Not saying yeah, Mikel absolutely. wouldn't be a bad player and and maybe a point guard, but they don't oh, the center right now you don't really need it, so Wendell Carter kinda of split. So I think New York, like I said, they would have taken him last year, but he withdrew his name. I think this year they're just like Miles flips to us again this year, we're taking him. He's just he's from upstate, he's from that north eastern area, just you know, he's got the ties, so he, he knows that whole I think he could just really go into the Knicks organization where you have the New York media and just be that guy who's going to talk with the media, be very vocal, be that flashy face, doesn't really mind it, where Mikel could be kind of like, I mean, not like comparing them because, you know, we don't know what his game, but Kawhi just, you know, he's very quiet of a guy. Like, Kawhi did it really well in, in San Antonio, but then when he became the guy, you kind of kind of see that he doesn't really, you know, like to be that. And if you're in New York, you're gonna have media on you every single, every single like minute of your day. Just you have to be doing it. And I yeah. think Miles would just wouldn't be that guy that would break under the pressure. I just think he would just be able to do it, and he he'd be good for New York. Yeah, indeed. All right, number ten, Philly. So I didn't want to slip up this team, but this is a team that could really use a player like Mikel Bridges because he'd be perfect for them. He doesn't need to be their one or two option because guess what? They already have him. He gets just to be Mikhail Bridges like he was on the, uh, on his team last year, you know, just that player that out of nowhere, okay, yes, here he comes, and he's hitting us time at threes, and he's getting us great defensive plays, and he's just, just all around he'd be really good for them just long-term and right now just because he'd be able to come in help him. You obviously see Covington kind of losing his role. He didn't really get to play in the final minutes of the game, too, so right. you'd be able to, he, 
he would be able to. At first, too, if you want to keep Covington in the lineup, that's fine. I think Miguel come off the bench and just be fine with that role position. That's also, too, where you you can have a player that is not going to be as vocal where if you get someone, you know, they might expect to be playing already and all that. So I think Mikel just – what the Sixers need right now is him, and he needs the Sixers. So I think it's just a perfect – it's a love story, and it just they need a, they need to be paired together. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with you. I think um, – yeah, he would he would be an absolutely terrific fit. That is, that is essentially to me what the Sixers are crossing their fingers for. Um, and luckily for them, in our mock draft, it happened. Uh, but yes, Mikel Bridges falling to them would be the absolute best case scenario. He could play the two. He could play the three. Like you can play him at the two um, and start Covington at the three. And this is assuming you don't make any huge signing. Um, like a LeBron or a Paul George or anything else, but I mean, like even if you don't, you could you could play Mikhail there, and then you can essentially use um, Fultz as your sixth man, um, which I think he would be perfect for. Like you, you essentially bring him in. Uh, he plays half his minutes. Uh, one, well, not half, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays half his minutes with um, Simmons. Uh, have his minutes without Simmons. They each play about 32 minutes a game, I think is what that kind of, you know, boils down to. Um, and then Mikael Bridges, uh, you know, plays the other 32 minutes. So you have these three guys on this rotation. And also, obviously, Mikael can shift down to the three when need be. Uh, I, I just think he would be perfect. He's a 3 and D guy, um, you know, kind of fits the bill of what they want. Um, so, yeah. I agree with you 100%. All right, this is tough. So we're moving on to Charlotte. Um, Obviously, a lot of this depends on where, um, essentially where, you know, what they want to do with Kemba. Um, But I'm going to operate under the context that, you know, they they probably want to try to keep Kemba. I, I and mainly because I don't think same thing with Dennis with the Hawks. Um, I I don't think the trade market is going to net you that much value for him right now. I mean he's a point guard on an expiring contract in a point guard heavy league. So like even if you wanted Kimba Walker, um, which you know he's probably. 10 or 11 or 12 best point guard in the league. Like he's better than half, more than half of the point guards out there. Um, but nevertheless, you know, are, are you giving up, are you giving up like a, um, a, a point guard on a rookie contract or a, or a draft pick that's, you know, holds enough value to net you Kimba Walker. I don't think so. I, I, I just don't think the market's going to be there for him. So, with that being said, I'm going to draft according to what they would need if they were to keep him, and I'm going to say Kevin Knox. Um, I think, you know, obviously you need a guy who can play the three. You have Kimba. You have, um, uh, you know, uh, Batum playing the two. He can also play the three. You obviously have Malik Monk that you just drafted. He showed a lot of promise uh, coming down the stretch once they had, you know, kind of verified that they had missed the playoffs. Um, I honestly think 
<laughs> they might have had a slightly better record had they played him a little more throughout the season because he actually looked really good going down the stretch. But I think Kevin Knox kind of pairs well with that. He can play the three. He can play the four. Uh, so, you know, you kind of hedge your bets there as far as what you're going to do next season in the draft um, because, you know, Knox essentially uh, can play the three if you want to draft a four next year or vice versa. So I think to me, even though it's a little bit of a reach, um, like there's players better than him to me, um, you know, like a, a Wendell Carter or, you know, a Shea Gilgis Alexander or a Zaire Smith. I, I, I just don't, like none of those players fit your needs. So I'm going to go Kevin Knox because I think that, um, you know, he hits enough of the boxes to where even though he may not be the best player available, he's the best fit for my team. Thoughts? No, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Charlotte, I feel like, is in the toughest position just to draft-wise. Just because, like, we don't know the front office. They're they're in a kind of a terrible spot right now where they're just not good, but they're not bad. And it's just like you have people that can help you compete right now, but you have really bad contracts. It's like, are you trying to trade? So, I understand completely where you're coming from. Like you said, I mean, Wendell Carter would be smarter, but are you really just giving up on Dwight, who really wasn't that bad last year, you know? Double-double, so you're not going to play them at the same well, time and, and all that. Yeah, and you and you, you traded to get um, Willie Hernan Gomez. You traded two second-rounders to get Hernan Gomez. And you have um, Cody Zeller signed on for like four seasons. So it's like, do you really are you really going to draft another center? Like it, that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and then the point guard position, Shea Gillis Alexander would be good, but you have Kimba Walker, so so you're not trading him. So I think perfect person right here would be a Kevin Knox. He has a lot of potential too. He's really tall. He knows how to hit a three. He really started to show his form at the end of the year. Him and Shea Gillis-Alexander really started taking over Kentucky. I mean, Knox was it kind of the whole year, but you saw them both starting to take it over at the end of the year, and I just think he'd be perfect. If you keeping the current team the way it is right now, you could slide him in, and he'd be just ready to play for them from day one. Yeah, yeah, and that that's my thought exactly. I will say this, though. If you could draft Wendell Carter and somehow package Wendell Carter and Kimball Walker to move up in the draft, like to move up maybe to six, maybe Orlando. The number five would be the only team. I think the only team that would really like, oh, actually Orlando could. I could see Dallas, even though they have Dennis Smith. I could see Dallas for some odd reason liking that. Maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's tough to say. Obviously, like, Phoenix would love getting both those players, but I don't know if that's worth – in fact, I will I will outright say it's not worth giving up number one. Um, though, then again, I mean, if, if, if a guy like Wendell Carter slips to 11 and you can get Kemba and Wendell Carter, who's, you know, kind of – more seen as like a seven or eight pick, and the only reason he slipped this far um, in our in our mock was because of fit and everything. Um, I, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think I think Charlotte would have to sweeten the pot a little bit, but 
Um, I, I think there's, you know, um, there's a there's a way that could happen in, in this particular scenario. I don't find it likely, though. So, yeah, Kevin Knox. Um, let's move on. Los Angeles Clippers, uh, who you got them taking with their first pick? So, for the first pick, I just kind of want to put you in a position where you have to choose between two guys that are going to play the same position and it's going to be kind of okay. tough. So, I'm going to go with a position that they also need. I'm going to go with the uh, – Shea Gillis-Alexander out of Kentucky. Okay. You know, you kind of need a guard right now. So, he'd be perfect to where Patrick Beverly, if you want to keep Beverly starting, he could, you know, start. And then Gillis-Alexander coming off the bench and him and Lou Williams and all them share the millions. And it'd be, he would learn a lot from the two of those. He'd learn a lot of offensive things from Lou Williams. And he'd learn a lot of things from first-team all-defense, Patrick Beverly. So I think he just fits the kind of they need a guard right now, too. If they re-sign Avery Bradley, that's a nice four right there of guards that you're having, and it's going to help Clippers actually compete because Clippers have a fairly good team. I just think that they they did the smart thing not making the playoffs because now you have two chances right now in a lottery to get you people, or if they want to package up that 12 and 13 and go up to a number six and be like, hey, Orlando, are you really getting your – player right here or do you think you could slip down or they, so there's another team that they could package up but I think they're drafting and they're wanting to compete and they're going to re-sign everyone that they have right now I think it's just a smart pick to go with Shea Gillis Alexander out of Kentucky yeah Zaire Smith maybe you could he could be right there there's there's bigs but I, that's why I said I wanted you to have to choose between the two of them so I went with the guard position, but I'm going with Gillis Alexander for them for their first yeah. pick. Yeah, and that would have been my number 13 had you going with the big. Because um, I, I agree with you, Zaire Smith. Uh, I like him a lot. I, I think he will probably be a really good player in this draft, but it, it, it's going to take the right fit. You know, It's going to take the team that kind of needs him. Um, and and maybe Philly reaches on him if if – they don't find themselves in the luxurious position of having Mikael Bridges fall to them. Um, I doubt it. I, I still feel like, uh, in, in my opinion, there's a general top ten consensus, and one of our guys slipped out of that. Um, and that guy is Wendell Carter Jr., who I'm taking at number 13. Um, I think the Clippers would be ecstatic if they got Gildas Alexander and Wendell Carter Jr. Um, that would just be a perfect you know, case scenario for them. Um, I think we did a draft earlier this year where they ended up with uh, Sexton and Wendell Carter Jr. Um, and But regardless, like, I honestly think, I, and, you know, I know you're going to probably think I'm a little crazy, but uh, I think Gilgis Alexander is going to be better than Sexton. Um, he's six foot six. He's just as good defensively. He's got kind of the same intangibles. He's rougher around the edges. He's not as polished. Um, they both don't have a great shot, and Sexton is way more polished offensively. Um, but I, I just think there's something about it, man. I, like Just watching him play down the stretch of the season for that Kentucky team, um, he, he seems really smart. He has a great, great wingspan. I mean, like I said, he's, he's six foot six. I think he's got a 6'8 wingspan. Um, or six nine or something, something in that range. Um, so like you're, you're putting a crazy amount of length out there. Um, I, I think he can also play like some combo, like so he can play some one and some two. 
Um, I think he's got a little more potential as far as shooting than Colin. And I honestly think he could be the steal of this draft. I think if if somebody nabs him at 12 or 13 or something like that, he could be the Donovan Mitchell of this draft. Um, I'm, I'm certainly looking at him. But, uh, but as far as my pick, Wendell Carter, um, I just think he would be so good for the Clippers. I mean, DeAndre Jordan could essentially – he can opt out after this year. Um, I think he. I, I don't think he will. I think he'll opt in. If his agent's smart, he'll tell him to opt in because there's not a lot of money going around uh, as far as free agency this off season, and m- most teams don't want you know archetype archaic centers. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Wendell Carter Jr. and hopefully groom him a year under DeAndre Jordan. And when Jordan's contract is up, or if I can trade him. Uh, I'm going to do that, and those would be my, you know, one in five of the future. Um, and, you know, I already got Sam Decker in there. I got Montrez Harrell. Uh, I got um, Cinderius Thornwell and Juwan Evans. There's a lot of good young pieces on that team, especially after that, that, that Chris Ball trade. Um, but one of the – like two of the young pieces um, as far as starting caliber players that they're missing is the one and – well, the one, the two, and the five. Uh, so uh, I agree with you. I think you go one and five, and you get Alexander and, and Carter. I think those are your two guys. Uh, but uh, Denver, who you got? So Denver is kind of one of those people where you could pick the best player available, but do you really? Yeah, yeah. Robert Williams would help you out. Because, you know, like you said, the jokester is terrible at defense. And you can play the jokester out at four, but, you know, he already kind of likes playing the five. And you have Paul Milstaff, so it's like, do are you already giving up on Paul Milstaff? I mean, he's only signed in, I think, for two more years, and the second one's a well, player option, which he probably opt in. No, it's a, it's a team option, which they'll undoubtedly okay, decide. Smart. Yeah. So, but then again, I think two – Denver was also one of those teams that were they can't compete right now. So I don't think Robert Williams is really helping him as much as I think Zaire Smith. This is a good fit for him right here. Now he'd be able to come in and you know play that two slash three for them and just interchange, come off the bench, be that second score. You don't know what's happening this year with um, Will Barton, so you're already losing the big six yeah. man. I mean he's going to be a free agent. Tyson Chandler is getting kind of old for you. Yeah, you Tyson Chandler is getting kind of old for you, so that's already. So I think, yeah, Robin Williams could really help him out on defense, but I just think right now Zaire Smith could come in and help him right off. He he is still young, too. He's a very, I mean, he's a one-and-done player, so there's a lot of could be upside out of him. So I think he would just be a positional this would be another good win-win for both teams where, yeah, they could go with the best player available and Robert Williams, but I think they're going to go with their best fit to help them kind of, you know, not saying these help them take them over the next step, but if they do leave some of them and, like you said, their cash out, they can't really help themselves, he would help the team out in two things that they need and playing the two slash three. Yeah, and I honestly, I, I kind of think Zaire Smith is the best player available there. Um, like I, I know Robert Williams is, is high on most mocks and I think I even 
had him ranked 11 or 12, um, and I think I had Zaire at 13. But honestly, like, yeah, you're I correct. Don't know. You, had him, I, you, had, you had him at 13 and Robert at 11. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but but uh, still, man, I I don't know. I I think Zaire's got more upside than Robert. Like I think Robert's got a, got like a slightly like higher four. Um, like you know what you're gonna get with him. Um, but I I don't know. I like Zaire Smith a lot. Um, and I I 100% agree with you. I think I think that's the kind of guy you want. I think he's six five. Um, he he certainly can fill in that role that Will Barton has been has been you know, playing for that team for the past few years. And and the thing with the Nuggets, they have $107 million committed next season. And that's, you know, before they have to extend um, uh, Jokic. Like, they, like <laughs> they, if they don't extend Jokic next year, he becomes an unrestricted free agent the following year. So, you know, with the one thing they could potentially do is not extend him uh in the off season and then offer him a max extension in like, you know, halfway through the season to avoid um, any sort of luxury tax implications. And that would help you re-sign Will Barton. Um, but, you know, there's, that's risky. Um, and, and I think that would probably piss off Jokic. Uh, his agent has already said that he, he thinks that they should um, essentially, you know, decline his, um, uh, Whatever and, and whatever it's called, and, and go ahead and extend him. The qualifying offer. Yeah, well, it's not actually a qualifying offer because um, that would be next season. It's weird. I I don't I don't know how it all works. I think it has to do with the fact that he was a late second round pick and the way his contract was constructed. It's a very I think it's a very rare thing. Um, but so it's not exactly a qualifying offer. Um, but nevertheless, like, um, what I do know is that they, if they don't go ahead and extend him uh, this off season, he would be an unrestricted free agent next year. Uh, and that's something you cannot risk if you are Denver. You cannot risk him hitting the open market. Um, so all that being said, I think, you know, drafting Zaire Smith and, and maybe letting Will Barton go and, and trying to let Smith fill in that role – uh, unless you're going to try to shed shed salary um, in some way, shape, or form, um, I don't I don't know. The only way that I can see you doing that is if you take a, a team like, say, the Lakers, and you ship out a shit ton of one-year contracts, which you have ample amount of, and you take back a guy like Lua Dang, but then you've got to keep Lua Dang for two years. Um, so. Yeah, I think that's a great move. I like it. I, I, you know, obviously they need they need a point guard. They need a small forward. Um, Zaire Smith can play the same kind of role that that Barton does and and play that two three combo, you know, juxtaposition. I uh, I definitely think that would be a good pick for them. Uh, all right, Washington. This one's tricky. This one's really tricky because. Uh, you know, given that Robert Williams is still on the table, um, but like, do you want to take a center? Because Robert Williams, I know he's listed as like a forward center, but he's like a, a legit like center to me in the NBA. Like, he's not going to play much power forward, not effectively anyway. Um, and honestly, 
I think a guy who could fill that role would be John T. Porter. So that's what I'm going to take. I'm going to take John T. Porter. I I think he has wow. played. Wow. I, I'm, I'm doing it. I think he has displayed better range than Williams. Um, I think his his defense has been at least on par with him. Uh, his, his rebounding has been great all season. Uh, he actually, to me, has the ability to play both four and the five uh, in the NBA. His foot speed is much better than Robert Williams. Uh, I don't know, I, like, especially the shooting. I think John Hay Porter is a way better shooter than Robert Williams. Robert Williams is not a really good shooter, especially from three-point range. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take John Hay Porter there. But you disagree. Oh, yeah, 100%, man. I'm sorry. I mean, John Hay Porter, don't <laughs> we get me finally wrong. got to a point He's where we good. disagree. He's good, but <laughs> no, I'm not lying to you. You mean you could have went so many other ways, too, if it wasn't a big. But if you're going a big – you're 100% going Robert Williams. I mean, dude, I don't know. there's just I'm a not that confident Robert Williams. I don't know, man. You, he really carried his team Texas A&M at the end of that year, like where they really need him. I mean, he's fast, so he's gonna be able to keep up with the John Wall and run that floor with him. I just think he'd be perfect. He's he's very springy. He's almost like a John Collins though. Like he's very, he's just gonna be there at all times. Like you said, they, they're almost matched equally and defensively, but I think Williams has a slight edge. I just – there's a way more upside out of Williams, too. Jonte just uh, – I don't really – he feel like he just had one solid year for a Missouri team that kind of needed <clears throat> someone since his brother got hurt and that team really didn't have an identity and all that. But, no, Williams is a real boss hog, and, I mean, he – went up against some of the best players this year, just went toe-to-toe with them, has a very high motor. I think Williams and, and Colin Sexton are the two guys that have that, like, really, like, go hard motor, never die. Like, they're going to be able to be springing, run the floor very fast with the players. Like, John Wall's going to want to get out there and go. Murray's – Jonte would not be able to keep up with that pace of game and all that. So, I just – I think that Washington would be very pleased if Williams slipped to them all this way. So that's where I feel like they would go. Well, me and uh, Jonathan Sharks will uh, just disagree with you. Because <laughs> we both like John T. Porter a lot. Um, but, uh, but no, I tell you, a lot of people like Robert Williams. That's, I mean, that's why he's 11 on our, uh, on our kind of collective um, uh, big board. Um, I, I'm just, I don't know. He, he just makes me nervous, man. There, there, there's a lot of flaws in his game that are just I, – I, I, I think sure. you have a plan. I just think you have a plan, and I'll say it in a little bit. But. Uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm – okay. Uh, no, I'm not going to take him at 19 if that's what you're saying. Um, but uh, You wouldn't take him at 19. Is he flinty? You're crazy. And all Atlanta fans should just walk out right well, now. I, I, <laughs> I, I wasn't I, – I mean, essentially I wasn't planning on taking him at 19. I won't say that I was <laughs> okay. not, but, um, uh, but, I mean, fuck, you got a chance to take him for, the, for San Antonio, who obviously needs both, you know, both those positions, so just take him at 18. Shut up. Uh, but anyway, I know, it's 16. It's 16. 
saying San Antonio. Well, Phoenix could take him, but I mean, it would make more sense. No, San Antonio, they don't, they don't have anybody at four and five except for Aldridge and Gasol, so he fits perfect there. So I won't even have a chance to take him in nineteen. Uh, but no, Phoenix uh, number sixteen. Here you go. Well, Phoenix is kind of in this position right now where they needed a point guard, but the point guards are gone. And I don't think mm-hmm. there's really any other point guard that's worth the stretch. Jalen Brunson I mean, that's true. is Jaylen, only the only one you right can now. reach for. No. But not, not right now. Not I think you could get him later. Yeah, so it's hard. So now I'm kind of looking at other positions. Like I said, I mean, Robert Williams, if, yeah, you, if you technically you did take DeAndre Ayton, but Williams could play your four position or come off the yeah. bench and play five and be that defensive player. But yeah. then again, I wouldn't want to do it. I'm gonna go with the guy well, that kind of. Well, you got two young, promising fours. Well, you got you got one young, promising yeah, well, four, and then you got Marquise Chris. Mar- <laughs> yeah. So Marquise Chris really showed it this first year, but then he kind of like really digressed quickly. So, but again, yeah. but uh, there are two people that kind of impressed me, especially at the combine today, and I've been tossing them up. But I'm gonna go with the one that had he's in the top ten for wingspan. And that was the Big Ten Player of the Year, and Bates Diapo out of Ohio. Yeah, I, I, like I understand it. Phoenix just got Jackson, but I'm switching him off the two and the three, and he could play. I also had Jacob Evans, because if you watch the five-on-fives today, Jacob Evans can shoot a three, and I think he would be a good mm-hmm. sixth man and all that. So there's those two people, but I just when I just saw what Bates Diapo wingspan was, he's in the top ten total for this year for the wingspan on players. And I just think, you know, he'd be that other one that could too. I mean, he could come out behind Warren Booker and, and uh, Josh Jackson. So you have yeah. him to, to be a good bench player. He's smart too. I mean, he's big 10 player of the year. So that's who I would go with for them. I mean, Jacob Evans, just, I didn't want to just be that person just that was just, right now in the moment, just because he really did really well. If you saw him play on that five-on-five, he was stroking the three, and he can make an NBA three. So that was also one person that could be a good six-man later on. He's just, you know, he's a little seasoned, too. So, But now I'm going to go with the the Big Ten man for for Phoenix for this one. I hear you. I like it. I I really like Kata Bates' D-Op. Um, I think he's going to be a very solid NBA player. Um, Milwaukee, uh, number 17, obviously they need a lot of things, but I think the biggest thing, again, that they need is wing help. I think they need scoring. Um, And if you need wing help and you need scoring, I'm going to go Zanin Musa, um, the the foreign – player I, I don't remember where he's from uh unfortunately um but the his guy team is KK Sadifa so yeah, I don't know what sure. that is but that's a team uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't fucking know where that is either. <laughs> but uh but I mean he's a he's like a six foot nine um wing player he specializes in scoring he makes me nervous because all of his comps like uh or not comps but like all of his attributes so much remind me of um, uh, Mario Hazonia. Uh Like, he's the same height. He's the same, like, type of player. Uh, he's, like, a score-first player. 
so like he makes me nervous, uh, which is why I would not touch him in like the the you know early draft stages. Uh, but if if you're getting down this you know to the middle of the first round, uh, Milwaukee they need a scorer, they need a wing. Like maybe he could pair well with uh, with Antetokounmpo. Um, you play him at the four, then Musa can spread the floor and, you know, get your buckets, uh, which is, you know, essentially what you need if you're in Milwaukee. You need, like, they need another bucket getter, um, a guy, a shooter, if you will, um, not just a bucket getter, but a shooter. Uh, and I think Musa could be that. So that, I'm going to go Musa. Uh, but let's, let's, let's um, speed it up a little bit. What do, what do you got for San Antonio? So for San Antonio right now, I mean, like you're saying, I mean, are you going to let Robert Williams slip past you? I mean, you obviously need a center position for Paul Gasol, and he'd help you guys out pretty defensively. So, Atlanta, you're not going to get the chance this time. I'm going to go Robert uh, Williams out of Texas A&M. Be good yep. right now. You could come off the bench if you don't need him to start from day one. So you have Gasol and Marcus Aldridge. But he's also going to be that defensive player coming off of or starting with either one because Paul Gasol can play the four. So I think it works out really well with the San Antonio Spurs at that need. They could use a guard, maybe a four position, but I just think Robert Williams just sitting right there. You have to go with him for San Antonio. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think I think the only person that might pick over him is Mitchell Robinson uh, because of the upside, but uh, and the need. But like, I yeah, I I would I would pick Robert Williams over him based off what he's shown. I really, man, I think both he and Miles Bridges have shown perfectly why you don't wait, you don't go your sophomore year. Um, if you're a one and done player and people are saying you're going in the first round, go into the draft. Don't wait. Like I think both of these guys, you know, had a chance to be top lottery picks last season. Uh and I think there's a chance that neither one of them are lottery picks this season. I think it's a slim chance. I think Miles Bridges not being a lottery pick is a slim chance, but these guys gotta learn. Um and, and to hammer that home uh, Daniel Gafford. Gafford decided to go back to uh, Arkansas, I think. And man, like, why? You you were gonna be a, like because the center position is so weak next year compared to this year. Well, that's true. That is very true. Um, I think Bull Bull is the only like elite center in the top like. 10, 15 picks. So, yeah, maybe yeah, that actually makes sense to me. That that makes sense. Um, but what Miles Bridges did last year makes no sense to me. He would have been a like, – like you said, he might have been taken by the Knicks. At the worst, he would have been number 10 overall pick from the Kings. Um, but then again, you know, maybe he's taking a page out of Doncic's book and he just doesn't want to play for the Kings. And that, you know, and that I can't blame him. Uh, but anyway, um, we're back to my Hawks. Um, man, this You just tough. said the guy's name that you should be taking automatically. Nah, I don't know about that because to me, I would honestly rather have a wing. 
It's just a question as to would you dip low enough to get any of the wings available. Um, you mentioned Jacob Evans. I really like Chandler Hutchison. Um, and I don't like the way that Mitchell Robinson pairs with uh, John Collins. Um, I mean, they're both – neither one of them spread the floor. So it's like I would rather wait and get Chemezi Matu like later in the draft because he kind of spreads the floor a little bit, you know. Um, but you don't know. I mean, Mitchell Robinson hasn't played this year, and he's been doing a lot yeah, of pro workouts. Okay. I've seen some oh, videos okay, okay, where he's okay, taking okay, a lot okay. of outside I'll, shots. I mean, all right, all right, all right. You convinced me. I'll take Mitchell Robinson. Let's go. I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, you, okay. ha- you need a center position. <laughs> need to take the guy. Yeah, I mean, if who cares if he strikes team. out or be hit? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I'll. I'll, I'll I'll acquiesce to to your train of thought there, uh, simply because, he, like you said, you don't know. You, maybe maybe he doesn't work out, but maybe he's a huge home run. Not to mention, we've been talking in Atlanta about uh, essentially, you know, uh, working on Collins' uh, range this off season. So maybe he gets better at that. Maybe we don't need such a uh, a stretch center because Collins kind of becomes that. Um, and he showed a little bit of it at the tail end of last season. He was hitting some corner threes uh, at a, a reasonably good pop. Uh, I think it was about 35%, it seemed like. Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Mitchell Robinson, um, why do you think that would be? Obviously, you're the one who talked me into it, so why do you think? Just because I think Mitchell Robinson kind of just screwed himself this year with the whole Western Kentucky. I mean, his uncle was going there, his godfather and all that, but he's really like, he's been playing since day one with all these centers that are supposedly in the top right here. He's top ranked with all of them. He's played toe-to-toe with DeAndre Ayton, Muhammad Bama. You know, he's been able to keep up these players. Like, he has the capability. He just kind of screwed himself, but then again, he got this whole year to progress and really work on his game and all that. And I just think that with his whole upside and you just, yeah, you don't know, but there's a lot that he could just really, it's almost like Thon Maker got taken at 10 by Milwaukee just because Thon Maker just has this like crazy upside that they saw and they were going to go for it, even though he didn't play college at all and coming straight out of high school. So that's why you've got to go with Mitchell Robinson. You need him at the center, especially if you took Luca already. So you need that center positional needs. And I think he actually, I mean, I just think he is a good player. I mean, he was, he's been playing since he was kids against all these other centers that are up in this, this draft. So he knows he's been playing against good talent that are really growing with them. So I think Atlanta would be smart if they wanted to take a center need right now. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and we certainly need a future center. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, all right, Minnesota Timberwolves, who you got? So there's a couple guards that have been choosing between, but then again, Minnesota, yeah, they could use the young guys that are up and coming and, you know, they're, they're freshmen and all that, but I think they need someone that's going to help them kind of right now and knows how to get a bucket, yeah. and I just talked about him earlier, and that's Jacob Evans. <clears throat> He's really just all right. shown to me that he can hit a three, I think he'd be good for that team coming off of the bench and all that. Jordan, 
I mean, Crawford just wasn't it. I mean, their bench was really their weak point this year. Yeah, you could go with Troy Brown or Lonnie Walker, but they're both still young. They're still very raw with their, like, skill set and all that. But, like, Evans is known as, like, he's going to be a three-point shooter and all that, and he's going to get you your timely buckets. I think he'd be good for their bench. Minnesota is a competing team right now, so they need someone. Like, a Thomas from Creighton could be really good, but I just think Jacob Evans, I, like, again, I could be just riding this right now, but what he just showed me today, Minnesota needs more points off the bench, and he fits that right now for them. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with you. I would have gone with either him or Hutchison uh, out of Boise State. Like, those are those are both two guys who they have the experience. Um, I'm, I lean more towards Hutchison um, just because, like, I – I caught like a couple of games. Um, like I, I started hearing buzz about him, <clears throat> so I, I set my DVR um, to record uh, Boise State games. I only did it for like a couple weeks, um, so I, I caught like two games. Um, uh, and and th- dude, like that that cat seems like he's gonna be really good too. Um, and I, I would be. In a different scenario, I would totally love for the Hawks to draft him at 19 if if that fits what we need. Um, but no, I mean I I feel you. I I like Evans a lot too. Um, he's 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 got a lot of versatility. Um, he plays the wing so well. Uh, six foot seven, you know, can play the two, can play the three. Much more comfortable with three. Uh, but might play the two in uh, in the NBA because he's you know because he's got that kind. If, if you play him at the two, he seems like he has the height advantage. Um, but like I said, he's got the versatility. Uh, so yeah, I mean I agree. I think I think if you're in Minnesota, you need you need a guy who's going to come out and and contribute to your team immediately. And you obviously need a guy who can play both the two and the three, especially considering that um, Jamal Crawford is opting out of his player option. So you literally you literally have nobody to back up your two and your three. You have Jimmy Butler, you have Wiggins, and nobody else on your roster who can play the two or the three. Um, I mean, unless you uh, – I mean, I guess, you know, unless you consider Tyus Jones uh, capable of playing the two or you're going to re-sign Derrick Rose and play him – uh, you know, big minutes at the two. They did play him at the two in the um, in the playoffs to to some effectiveness. Uh, but nevertheless, like, yeah, that's the kind of guy you need. I like. I definitely like that pick uh, a lot. Um, Twenty one is it? Is the Pelicans right? No, it's Utah Jazz. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you for correcting me. Utah. I. I feel like if if Troy Brown slips to you there, you take him. I like to, simply because of this. Again, he can play the two, he can play the three, he can even play the one. In fact, like growing up, Troy Brown was a point guard. Like growing up throughout his whole career. In fact, it wasn't until he got to Oregon uh, and and played this season that he didn't play point guard. So he can play the one, he can play the two, he can play the three. Um, I like I, I realize that you you kind of want like a backup center, but I I feel like after the way that um uh that shit what's his name the 
starting Derek power Favors. forward for Thank you. Derek, after the way Derek Favors played, I I don't feel like you're going to let him walk. I feel like they're going to re-sign him because he just played so great in the playoffs. Um, and the, the the way that Quinn Snyder is able to utilize him is, is terrific. Um, so I think, like, he ultimately acts as your backup five. Uh, you got your Crowder. You got uh, uh, Jonas Jurepko. Essentially, like I would be looking for somebody who fits that one, two, three mold, and like Troy Brown fits all of the molds. Like he can play any of those positions. He's like a Luka Doncic, just not as good and American. Um, so like I, uh, I would that that's ultimately who I would go with in that scenario, just because of his versatility, and honestly, the fact that he slipped that far. I mean, he he's a guy who could even be taken in the lottery. Um, if if a particular team just becomes enthralled with him after the combine. So uh, if he slips that far, if I'm Utah, I'm definitely taking it. No, yeah, there, it's it's either him or Lonnie Walker. I mean, both are yeah. just can be really good, have a lot of upside. They're young, so Utah, you know, can take on those young players. But like you said, I'd go with Troy Brown just because he was. I mean, he's playing, been a point guard, so he knows how to play all the guard positions and all that, but I think he just helps out all team positional needs. So I think it's a smart pick. It's either between those two because you can take one. I mean, it's crazy that either one of those flipped that far, but I'd go with Brown for them in this situation, for this situation. Yeah, and I think what it boils down to with Brown is just, again, like what I said, the versatility. Like Lonnie Walker, he's probably a better player in the right circumstances, Um, but, like, he's really, like – I would really want him to play the two and not that like Mitchell can't play the one because he proved it in the playoffs. He can totally play the one. Um, but like you got Rubio, how do you fit him in? You know, I'd rather have a guy who can play minutes all across the board um, where, you know, like, like Troy Brown can, he can, he can essentially back up all three of your, your starters in Rubio, uh, Mitchell and Ingles. And I just think that that's like a that's just like something that every team wants. Like you want a guy who can just like be your quintessential backup, uh, three positions wide. And I think that's the kind of player he could be. Um, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, Twenty-two, I believe, Chicago Bulls are picking in lieu of uh, the Pelicans. Yeah, it's the little trade. Um, so if I'm Chicago, I'm just a player. Yeah, you can get Lonnie Walker and all that. He'd be great. But I'm going to get a player that potentially has a way, I don't know about a way more bigger upside, but, you know, just a lot younger. And I'm Chicago, and I don't really need to be competing right now. I'm going to butcher his first name because his first name is kind of weird. But and for uh, Fernine Simmons out of Anthony. IGN like Academy. Anthony Hardaway. Anthony. Oh, oh, Anthony. Aha, see, now that I hear it, it sounds so – Anthony <laughs> oh, yeah. Simmons. I just think, you know, Chicago, yeah, you can get Lonnie Walker and be like, oh, hey, he flipped all to us and all that. But then again, are we trying to compete right now? Are we trying to, like, you know, we don't need someone. But the Simmons kid, you know, he's supposed to be skipping a year. He kind of did that weird thing where IGN Academy, you can go for your second senior year. I don't understand it, which, like, qualifies you. It's almost like a prep school that qualifies you to skip and go college. So, it's just that factor where it's just like, hey, I'm Chicago. Let's go for him. Let's see what he can do and all that. Yeah. He can help us out. And the point guard need, he's a guard. 
and all that. So he could switch between the one and the two. He's still super young and everything. And it's going to take a couple of years, but we're still a couple of years from really being anything. So especially if I took Muhammad Bamba, I'm looking at the guard position and yeah, uh, I'm going with this, this, who knows what he can be, but there's a lot of upside. He's almost like Ham Diablo last year for Kentucky, but cause like, you know, just the tangibles that he had, but Diablo mm-hmm. really just disappointed and didn't live up his tangibles. Where yeah. Simmons should just, Simmons should just get drafted right now and just ride that. So I'm just going with, you know, I'm Chicago Bulls. What else? Yeah, I could make the smart choice and go with Lonnie Walker. But I could go with this kid that potentially has a little bit more upside than him and could pan out. And we kind of needed a point guard and that guard position switch between the two. Yeah, and not to mention, like, I mean, you have the – let's not pretend that, you know, uh, you don't have the injury issue – of uh, shit, what's his name? The guy they got from Minnesota, Zach Levine. Thank you, Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Yeah, I mean, you got the ACL injury like pending, so like he could be the the kind of perfect insurance for that, because um, he could he could be the guy who pairs with with Chris Dunn, uh, and you know if Zach Levine pans out, then you know, and you know if if, if Simon's plays well then you just trade him down the line, and that's fine. Um, but, yeah, totally. I, I agree. Um, I mean, I, I definitely think you you would rather take a wing player there, um, but given the fact that we've essentially taken the best wing players available, I mean, I do think you could take Melvin Frazier there. Um, but, you know, I mean, we've we've taken the best wing players out. I mean, Keita Bates, Diop, Zana Musa, Jacob Evans, they're all off the board. Um, Troy Brown. So yeah, I agree. I think uh I think Simons is a worthy gamble, uh, especially if you're the Bulls who are rebuilding. Uh you get and and furthermore you get to take that gamble at twenty two, uh, because of the trade you made. Um, and you get to just kinda sit back and see if it bans out. I like it. Um, Pacers. Twenty three. I I'm not going to let Lonnie Walker fall any farther than he already has. Like to me, you just think of, if Lonnie Walker falls to you at 23, you take Lonnie Walker. Um, I know you, obviously your best player is Victor Oladipo, um, but Oladipo has, you know, a shit ton of potential um, to, to play uh, guard positions. Um, he plays a lot of point guard for that team. Um, and obviously Collison is I think 30 years old. He's not he's not going to be your long-term point guard. Um and you know, maybe you could work out a a, a backcourt with you know, Walker and uh Oladipo or maybe you know, Walker plays really well and you trade him down the line. Uh but nevertheless, I'm not passing on a guy that good um at that position. Um and you know, right now I'm just use him to Mostly back up Oladipo, play a little bit beside Oladipo to see how they fit together, um, and I would kind of concentrate. Maybe Stevens Moore is your, is your backup small forward because um, he's obviously capable of, of fulfilling that role as well. Um, and I think I think the Pacers would be totally fine with that. What do you think? No, yeah, you're not letting Lonnie Walker slip anymore. It's like you said. 
It's just he's fallen all this way. He's a great player as it is. He'd help you guys out too right now. I mean, there's no other player that you're taking that's going to be better than him. So you just you just go with the best player uh, right now. And it's it's Lonnie Walker to them. So I agree with what you're saying on, on him fitting their team needs. Indeed. All right, Portland, 24. Who you got? So Portland um, kind of tough, too, because what are they going to do this year? They're going to keep their guards and all that. There's no big men really left, but I'm going to go with the guy that's kind of been slipping, too. I've been a little bit high on him. He'd be a good sixth man, or I don't see him coming ever starting at the two guard, but I'm going to go with Kyrie Thompson out of uh, Creighton. Yes. I think he would be, you know, a good player to come off the bench for both Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum and be able to play with both of them when one's sitting and all that. He also is kind of slipped, too. I mean, not really slipped. I mean, he's going in this range. But I think right now there's all the other players that you could have possibly taken. Jacob Evans would have been perfect for you, but he's gone. So it's where you're at right now. But I think Tyree Thompson could fill that, that need. For, for Portland, especially if you don't know if they're going to keep Damien and trade CJ or what are they going to do? Just He just helped you out in that garden because you're, you are kind of slim right there besides those two. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. And, and especially because if you, if you look at their, their roster, um, they, like they're relatively set at the three, four, and five. Um, like, like not long term, but they have to worry about the short term and the long term and, and payroll and all that. Um, so like let's let's assume because of payroll, they don't resign Nurkic. Um, like you have Collins at the five, uh, and then you have um, uh, Myers Leonard backing him up. Obviously, he didn't play shit for minutes this year because he's not very good. Um, but like, you know, let's just play this out. Uh, then you got Amino at the four, you got Swanigan who you just drafted last year, backing him up. And then at the three, you got Harkless and you got Jake Lehman. Uh, at the one and the two, uh, as far as what you've got on your team next season, you've got Damian Lillard and you got CJ McCollum. You got nobody in that, like nobody signed you got on. You got Napier. Woo. Yeah, but like he's he's a free agent. Pat Connaughton, free agent. Uh, you got Evan Turner. I'm sorry, you got Evan Turner. Um, but like, man, <laughs> uh, boy oh boy, do you want to try to trade Evan Turner? Get that contract off your books. Um, so like, you know, I think Kyrie Thomas is great because I think he can back up both the one and the two, and he can kind of be your sixth man uh, to that 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 punch, even if you keep that, that unit together, he could be that, like that kind of, he can play the one, he can play the two. So he's like perfect. He can rotate in with those guys and just kind of play with them. Uh, like Evan Turner does now, but better hopefully in the future. And you know what? Hopefully like, goddamn, if, if, if you can trade, like say Evan Turner and a first round pick, for uh, well, you'd have to include uh, Jake Lehman, but obviously you would just for uh, you know monetary uh, reasons. Uh, but if you can include uh, you know those two guys and and trade them for that and a first round pick for Kevin Love, like 
adding Kyrie Thomas would make even more sense in that in that scenario. Um, and I think if if LeBron walks, you know, I definitely think the uh, the Cavs are going to be looking to move Kevin Love. Uh, and Kevin Love, he's from Oregon, so let's not uh, let's not discount that factor. Uh, the reason he actually chose the number zero was to uh, honor zero. Oh, um, so uh, so yeah, uh, I like it. I totally think Kyrie Thomas would be a great pick there. Uh, Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I'm gonna be like straight Homer and also practical. De'Anthony Melton. Uh, obviously, he he set out uh, this past year. Um, he, to me, he's, he's like a perfect combo guard who could play the one, can play the two, can basically be what Jordan Clarkson was for you. Um, it's kind of how I see him, but just at 25, if you're picking at 25, like that's, that's kind of what you want. You want somebody like that who's going to be like a, a strong contributor to your team. You don't necessarily need him to be a starter. You just need him to be a strong contributor. And I think he would be great. I think – and he's got that – you know, obviously he played for USC. He's got those Los Angeles ties. I think that works in well. Um, and, again, the fact that he can play both the one and the two gives you a lot of flexibility as far as what you're going to do. Uh, you know, if all else fails and, and, and no – big names come in, you know, you might even have him kind of vibe between Hart uh, and him for the starting role as the number two guard. Uh, but I, I I think he'd be a good pick. What do you think? No, yeah, I like it for the Lakers, not just because it's the California thing and that would fit out for him too, but it's like you're saying, Lakers do need more depth at the guard position because I think the Clarkson trade really hurt them, even though it was a win-win, and I don't see him re-signing Isaiah Thomas unless they really do strike out on everyone. So I think it's perfect for them for more wing depth. He'd be able to come off, like you said. He could be able to compete with Josh Hart for the two. KCP, too, that it'd be a nice four-way uh, like guard position between Ball, KCP, him, and Hart. So I think it helps out the Lakers right now, too. There's no big men out there to help them down low or anything like that, and the older guys that you could possibly go for, if you want to think that you could get another Kuzma, they're not there in my mind. We've already kind of drafted them. So I think Melton would be really good for the Los Angeles Lakers for total depth and what they need. Indeed. All right. Uh, number 26 is Philly. Number 27 is Boston. Do you want to swap on those so you can pick for Boston? No, no, I'm good with uh, Philly. Okay, I need to all pick right. The boss, so. All right, uh, what you got so for Philly? Philly, there's a couple guys out there, and I'm going to swing, and you're going to not even see this one. So there's two. What Philly really does need is someone to help take the ball out of Simmons' hands, I mean, sure. and help all. And there, there, there's a person out there, and Jalen Brussels could be really good, and, and Jake Milliton right now. and they, They'd be really good, oh, you know. All, I like it. So I uh, but but I'm going to just completely swing away from that, and I'm going to take a player Ooh. that fits my team needs 
and he's really smart, and yet he's had a lot of trouble with him, but we don't care because he shoots the three ball, and he's really smart. And I'm taking Grayson Allen if I'm the 76ers right now. Yeah, See, I need I, someone to I take like the Grayson ball Allen, out of him, but guess what? But I think, Grayson Allen I think does take the ball out of people's hands. In one of those second-round picks, but go ahead, sorry. I, I feel like you could, but then again, like I feel like Boston could take him. A Golden State could take him. Like, there's teams right yeah, there that, like, true. you could that's take true. Grayson Allen and just be like, yeah, you know, I could have taken one of these one guys. But Grayson Allen, I mean, he actually impressed people today with, like, I think he had one of the fastest of those shuffle times. Like, so he's really quick on his feet. Not to mention he had a 40-inch leap. Uh, who says white man can't jump? <laughs> Yeah, 40-inch yeah, so, vertical. I'm just trying to say, like, and what does Philadelphia love to do? They love to shoot the three ball. That Grayson Allen can do. I mean, if you lose J.J. Redick, that's also your Duke guy. He can play with J.J. Redick, and you have both of their crazy attitudes and all that. I just think, like, yeah, one of those other people could have been good. I probably would have won Brunson just because of his whole, just like he's just smarter, just a vet and help you in those key situations. But I'm just a Sixers, and I'm just going to go right now and get Grayson Allen just be like, it. He just, there's something like, he was the man for Duke. I mean, he's played with a lot of top recruits, and he was still always the man. If you look at, like, Ingram, Tatum, and this year, Bagley, and Carter, and Grayson Allen was always still the man for that team. Like, he knows how to play basketball. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, and I, yeah, I, and not to mention, if you keep, uh, to keep J.J. Redick, you got a couple, like, Duke boys there together. I think that would be good for, like, team camaraderie and shit um, as far as, like, bringing, bringing him in and, and having J.J. there. Uh, like, I mean, I feel like there – I see a lot of um, parallels between those two players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that would be great. Um, all right, for Boston, obviously, like, what you want is to get, like, a – real center, but there's nobody even in sight of being, uh, like, the closest you could probably take is Chemezi, uh, Matu, and, like, you're not reaching that far. Um, I'm I'm just going to go with Shake Milton, man. Um, I honestly, like, to me, it, it's, it's kind of a toss-up as to whether you're going to keep uh, um, Mark Smart I think I think you will because of what he's shown in these playoffs, and I don't think it's going to cost you that much. I think ultimately, like you're going to be able to to re-sign him uh, for you know ten to twelve million uh, a year, which would I be, think it's going to be two me, years, twelve mil. I think it's going to be two yeah. years, twenty-four, three years yeah. possibly, but the third year is the team option, and he's going to do it just because Marcus Smart's Marcus Smart. He's just a he loves the Celtics. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I would, I would certainly see like a, a thing like that, especially because like of the way their their contracts are constructed. Like I think you're right with that two year thing. Like, um, like they don't want to sign him like super long term because of, um, you know, the, essentially what what they got coming down the pipes. They got all these draft picks and everything else. Um, but that's why I think you take Shake Milton. Like Shake Milton is a guy who can play the one, he can play the two. He's tall enough to even play the three in like a small ball lineup like Marcus Smart does. He can learn a lot from Marcus Smart. He could be essentially your next Marcus Smart. And I think he would fit that bill. And even if you re-sign Marcus Smart, I mean, essentially what you're looking at as you're looking at uh, – 
as far as the one is concerned, you got on the books next season. You got you got Kyrie. You got uh, uh, Rogier. As far as the two, you got Brown. You got Smart. If you re-signed him, so like Shake Milton can fill in that like one-two role as far as like the third man up, um, and can get some minutes that way. Um, and I, I just think that would be really smart for them, uh, especially considering again. There's no center available. You don't need a three. You don't need a four. Like, you got, like, four power forwards right now. Um, And, you know, well, I mean, four if you either consider uh, Al Horford and or uh, Jason Tatum. Like, um, you got three backup power forwards to either one of those two. Uh, So, you know, given what you have available, I would go shake Milton. I just think it makes a lot of sense. What do you think? No, yeah, I mean, Celtics, I mean, where we're at, we're not really getting a person. Like I said, Grayson Allen would be fun to take just because, I mean, he knows how to take shots. But I always had it between shake Milton and um, DeAnthony Melton if he split from USC. I could see them us taking him just because, like you said, we don't know what we're doing with Marcus Smart. I hope we resign him just because we need so much. There's no one really for a draft and stash right now because that would be the Celtics' best thing would be getting a draft and stash because you don't have to pay him right now, and it would help out sure. our thing. And that's why, like, yeah, I really wanted us to get in the high lottery pick, but be, us being in the high lottery pick would have kind of screwed us over money-wise because that's another guy getting $6 million if we're in the top five, yeah. like two through five. Mm-hmm. So, like, that kind of, like, for what we want to do with Mark Smart, like I said, I think we're on the two-year thing when everyone's going to be, like, free agents and, and all the contracts are going to have to be remade and all that. I think he'll yep. do that. And I think, yeah, Shake and also, too, we have – I mean, he played at SMU, so did in uh, Semi-Ojale. So yeah, I think too, that's right. That, that, that little connection, too. That little connection, too. You could tell Danny when they come in, I think he would have a better workout than the people that are left down at that spot, too. I think, you know, you just have to be able to play that thing. And like you said, he's very diverse. So, yeah, I like it for the Celtics because I had him. He's the one – He's the. those are the three between him, Grayson Allen, and D'Anthony Melton. I'd take any of those for the Celtics because there's no drafting stash guy. Moose is not going to fall all the way down there for us. And Moose, I don't think, really wants no. to draft and stash anyways. No, and, and, and Rodian's Kirks is, is it's just too much of a stretch. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I think you got to take a, a combo guard, and I think either one of those three would be great. Um, and it's interestingly enough, we had Melton, Allen, and Milton all go in a row. <laughs> but uh, but all right, so Golden State, twenty eight. Who you got? So uh, if I'm Golden State, I'm kind of looking at like, you know, my bench has kind of been depleting. I need more help behind mm-hmm. my best player and staff. I know Katie is their best player, but Steph. And I'm going to go with someone, you know, I pick, we picked a really smart pick last year when we traded with Chicago, and he really panned out. But I'm going to go with the kid that won the best player in college basketball, and that's Jalen Brunson. I'm going to just mm-hmm. go with him because he can help back up Steph Curry in case we have to sit him again and all that. And Jalen's a very smart basketball player, and he's going to learn that very smart basketball system very quickly and be able to come in and be like, look like he's been on this team for a couple of years just because he knows how to play the game, and he's not selfish and everything. So I just think 
Hit what, everything he did for Villanova, he's won two national championships with them. He's a seasoned vet. That's what Golden State wants. I mean, he, this is one of those teams that this is perfect scenario for them, and he slipped for them. So I think Jalen Brunson would be pretty good for them. And he's just, you know, he's playing behind Steph, so you'd be able to take off a little bit of more minutes on Curry's part because Lance is, you know, he's kind of getting old now, so. You just don't know. So, really, all you have is Curry right now at the one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, not to mention, I, I just think he could play. I think he would. I think he would match up well and be able to play well with Livingston. I don't. I like. I don't think that would be a problem, um, because uh, Livingston is able to play off ball. He's not a great shooter. Uh, well, he's he's, he's actually a really good mid range shooter. Um, but he just he doesn't have the, the three point stroke the, that the other guys have. He's never developed that. Um, but I I don't I think he could play alongside him. I think he could play alongside Clay. Obviously, I think he probably, probably wouldn't necessarily want him to play along Steph for many minutes. But you could you could try it. Um, but yeah, I mean I I agree. I mean I that wouldn't be my pick, but I I don't think that that's a bad pick. Uh, I mean just. His IQ, the, again, like you said, is the, the NCAA Player of the Year. Um, he, he's essentially your backup for the future, and that's what he is to me. He is a top-notch backup point guard. Uh, that's what you're looking at with Jalen Brunson. Um, and you know, if you can get that kind of guy, and not to mention, if you can get that kind of guy, I, you know. I, I don't know if they would do this, uh, but maybe you could trade a guy um, like uh, um, Livingston. I'm not saying they would. I'm just saying like it, it would be a possibility at that point. Um, but like I said, he's six foot eight. He he's got a lot of versatility. You could even play Brunson and then a guy like Nick Young and then Livingston at the three. Uh, and have like kind of like a dual point guard lineup uh, with Nick Young sandwiched in between. Uh, granted, Nick Young's uh, on expiring contract; he's only signed for this year. But still, yeah, I, I like it. I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, all right, moving on. Twenty nine, <clears throat> the Brooklyn Nets. Man, it sucks. The Nets really, they really fucking need uh, like power forward um, or even a center. Granted, they have Allen, but they just don't have a lot of depth there. Uh, but for my money, they're they're set at the two. They're set at the, the one. They like they have Rondé Hollis Jefferson, but like how certain? Like he seems more like a backup, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to take Melvin Frazier uh, out of Tulane. I think he could be. I mean, he could be a very serviceable. Number three, he's only six six, so he's not gonna give. He's not. He doesn't have that versatility that you really want with your with your three as far as you know playing the four. Um, but you know, nevertheless, he's still he's had a very good year. Um, he's risen up a lot of people's boards. He's up to the point where he's talked about in that mid tier. Uh, and essentially, given what you have and given what is available, I think, you know, a guy like Melvin Frazier is, you know, 
very optimal uh, because, I mean, honestly, you don't need a one. I mean, you have, uh, you know, uh, the dude you just got from uh, the Lakers last season. D'Angelo yeah, Russell. Uh, thank you. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Not to mention, you got, yes, you got Spencer Dinwiddie, you got Alan Crabb, you have... Um, Jeremy uh, Lin. Yeah, yes, I, I don't think he's long-term, uh, but you also have... Um, his uh, contract is long term. No, he, he's on an expiring contract. Uh, but you have Karis um, uh, Levert. Karis Levert has played really well for this team. Uh, so you don't need anything one to two. You got so many people in that in that spectrum. You also got uh, Isaiah Whitehead. Uh, so like you got too many people there. So I think you you take someone in the three to five, uh, and the best player available in that res- respect is, is Frazier. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you do take a three or a five, and Frazier is that person. I mean, Nets would be another person that I think they could take a Grayson Allen just because you don't know it, but you need just that three position. You're not going with, uh, I don't know who would else be there, and Aaron Holiday right now, overall Atkins. I mean, I just don't see them. Four, so I I would go with Melvin Frazier just because he is just that true small forward position, and it's something that they need on yeah. Brooklyn. I mean, you're really stacking your guards. You're definitely guard heavy. So, and you need a power forward. None. There's none. I mean, you already took Jonte Porter. Maybe if he flipped yeah, all the way there. Yeah, so. is either Chimezi Matu or Ray Spalding out of Louisville, but. Either one of those guys are such huge reaches. I just, I, you don't do that. Yeah, for right there, yeah, no. Especially for Brooklyn, you're not going for a reach. You're kind of going for, like, right. who could be it right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, last pick. You're picking for my Atlanta uh, Hawks. Number 30, <laughs> who you got? Uh, Atlanta right now, in my mind, needs a shooting guard. Especially if you got Luka. I mean, I, I mean he's more of a one in my mind, yeah, he's a one-two. And then you went and got uh, Mitchell Robinson as your clear center. So you definitely need a two because Kent Bazemore is not your two of the future. Um, sure. I'm not going to reach. I would love for them to get just because he's a Georgia Tech boy. And he's just Okogi. a, a, a Kogi. And I think he'd be great. But well, you I'm could not take him at 34. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You could take him at 34. But I'm going to go with the person that – He's good. He's he's a second-year player, and he's actually pretty good for this team, and they play in the ACC. I'm going to go with Bruce Brown from Miami. Nice. Shooting guard. Like. I think that's what Atlanta needs. I think he's just, you know, he's going to fit that physical need. Ken Baseball is not going to be at the future. He is a true two, so if you want to have him and Luka next to Prince, Collins, and Robinson, there's your five young guys of the future. You one through five. Sure. It's, it's, it's a solid one through five. Like I said, I mean, a Kogi would be fun just because, like I said, but you can get him at 34 and all that, and a Kogi could definitely, you know, coming off the bench to be that sixth man and all that. But Bruce Brown right now, I think, I mean, he really, if you watch Miami and they played in the toughest, I mean, basketball, like the ACC is the toughest. I mean, he definitely was a very good competitive team on that, like, he's one of their better players. So, yeah, I think he'd be good for Atlanta, what they need, and just everything. And I think Atlanta will be walking out very happy with 
every person that they got, they hit every positional need that they needed. Yeah, yeah, right, we would. I would love it. Uh, but that's going to be it for us tonight. Uh, we're gonna. I, I. I seriously think we're gonna. We're gonna roll this back in reverse uh, positions, and Luke's gonna pick uh, the odds, and I'm gonna pick the evens, and we're gonna just roll it over and do it a different way next week. Uh, but tomorrow night we're gonna be breaking down the conference finals. So join us for that. And of course, as always, Sunday night we got Geek Vibes live. Uh, join us then, Luke. Thanks for joining me, man. And until we see y'all again, peace. Peace.